to TMBC's Comic Book Workshop. I'm Jason Hammonds. I'm a writer who also draws. <laughs> I'm Ken Heilman, an artist who also writes. We are both making comics. Uh, unfortunately, we're also kind of still learning how to make comics while we do that. After tirelessly sweeping libraries, bookstores, and the internet for whatever information we could find on making comics, we thought it'd be a good idea to share our notes. Absolutely, and uh, we're kind of hoping that we can uh, help you make your comics as well. So, Jason, what is on the agenda on today's episode? Oh, man, today's episode. It's a juicy one. It's a meaty and juicy one. It's like a big old ribeye steak. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> your face looks uncomfortable, but then you're like, <laughs> like well, it's a steak, so I'm it sounds good. I'm just trying to prepare myself for wherever <laughs> you are going to go. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Uh, it's but, late yeah. at night. I have work really early tomorrow, and I shouldn't be up. But today, the episode contains Matthew Rosenberg. What a great guy. He's a wonderful guy. He's a super great guy. This is a this is kind of an extra extra meaty one. It's like thirty ish minutes with uh, Matthew talking comics. Uh, if you don't know who Matthew Rosenberg is, get out from under that rock and see the sunshine. Uh, he is the writer of such comics as Secret Warriors, Punisher, uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, We Can Never Go Home, and his newest image comic. I believe it's What's the Furthest Place from Here, but Matthew told me it's Where's the Furthest, furthest Place from Here. However, the solicits I've seen say What's the Furthest Place from Here. Are you calling Matthew out right now? I might be calling Matthew Rosenberg a liar. That's how we introduce all of our great guests and thank them for their time. <laughs> That's exactly how we introduce them. No, but no kidding. Matthew Rosenberg is one of my favorite writers in the world. Uh, so it was really a joy to uh, let him kind of talk about comics and, 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 and see him answering our questions, which is weird. Um, we really want to thank him again for the amount of time he gave us. I know we've already probably thanked him profusely throughout this episode, but... Mm-hmm. Really generous guy. Yeah, super great guy. Uh, he gave us tons of knowledge. I just want to say, his Twitter does say, what's the furthest place from here? Even though in this very interview, he tells me that I was wrong for saying what's. He calls me out. He's like, Jason, you're wrong. And then he walked out storming. After he punched you in the face. After he punched me in the face. Yeah, he's a very aggressive guy. <laughs> no, he's not. He's like super nice and sober and everything. Like he doesn't seem to have any temper problems. <laughs> this is going in such a weird direction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, we love absolutely. Him. Um, but after uh, we speak with good old good old Matthew boy, uh, we're we're going back to uh, we're going back to our segment after that, talking about making comics. Kent, do you know what the uh, the topic was for today for this episode? For the episode we recorded like months ago, and now we're finally playing in this podcast kent we recorded this episode right we haven't even recorded it yet that's what we're that's that's how fresh this is we're about to record this segment and it was definitely not recorded a couple weeks ago oh it wasn't nah dude this is fresh this is oh uh, we're actually doing this now this fresh now. yeah we're about to do it in two minutes after we hear from matthew oh. rosenberg <laughs> there's so much juggling uh yeah. so is it scheduling it is the episode on scheduling. Uh, we're going to talk to you about uh, managing a uh, comics creating schedule while also working like a full time job. But it's not just coming from like my head or your head. Uh, we are taking notes directly from the mouths of Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule, two of the most prolific creators in comics. So we hope you'll stick around for that. But before that, let's go listen to Matthew Rosenberg talk about comics. Awesome. Rosenberg, the writer of Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, Secret Warriors, uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here, I think is your newest project, as well as a ton of other stuff with Marvel, basically taking over the, uh, oh, 
taking over the Marvel Universe. Um, Matthew, the, the first question I wanted to ask is, do you have any formal education in writing, or were you mostly self-taught? Uh, no, I'm completely... Well, I feel weird, because I'm always like, no, I didn't, I didn't go to school for writing, but uh, both of my parents are writers, and my brother's a writer, my uncle was a writer, so I'm in a sort of a family of writers, so that stuff was like... I think a lot of the stuff you learn in school was just sort of beaten into me over the dinner table. Um, so I, I, it's not... It feels disingenuous to be like, no, I don't have a you know an MFA in writing or whatever, because I don't, but like... Uh, I have that sort of a, a grassroots version of that. When you're so when you're writing, I'm assuming there are there are times where you're kind of like hearing maybe it's your parents' voices in your head or when your siblings or something like that, just kind of like telling you that advice that got beaten into your head. What's the biggest thing that you hear in your head over and over while you're working? Uh, it's funny, I actually. Just wrote. Uh, I just finished the last issue of Tales of Suspense. Uh, went to print this week, and they asked me to do a closing letter, and. Uh, I wrote in it about the advice my dad gave me when I was 12 and, and trying to create stories. Um, yeah. My dad was critiquing a, like, a story I wrote. You know, it was probably like an X-Men story I was writing for fun. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, he said, a story is the simplest thing in the world. The curtain goes up, you meet a character, uh, then at the end the curtain goes down and that person is a different character. Um, and I think that, I think about that a lot because it's it's fundamentally great advice on like the simplicity of story that you're watching a change you're watching a fundamental change in a person who they are what they go through um, but it's also very something I have to it's harder to navigate and and sort of you have to recontextualize it when you're in superhero comics because like the Peter Parker of 1970 is also the Peter Parker of 2018 and how do you change that and still tell a story that is changing the character in some fundamental way but still keeping them recognizable for the next creator and for the readers 30 years down the road and we uh we talked like back at a black mask event off mic about sort of some of the stuff that you were doing with like ash cans and things like that back when you were trying to get into writing but for the listeners what was your method of kind of getting your writing out there when you were trying to break in um i was doing a lot of like pitches um which I'm sort of, I'm sort of a mixed mind about. I, you know, you, I, I don't have a lot of friends. I didn't have a lot of friends who are artists. I do now, but I didn't at the, when I came up. I didn't know comics people like when I was coming up in the comic scene. So I was hiring artists. You know, I sold my video game collection. I sold a lot of my record collection to pay for people. I ate ramen for years and you know, peanut butter sandwiches and. Uh, to pay for artists to do pitches and I would do like a 10 page pitch and you know print up little ash cans and you know find a nice printer and make them and I would send them to the editors and then I would also try and like you know show them the pros I liked so I, I could be more like they know who I was there'd be a connection and you know that's hit or miss um, but I realized part way through I mean like you have to pitch and you have to sort of get your work to editors hands but I realized after a while that I have, like, looking back on it, I have probably, like, 15 of those. And a lot of them are really, really terrible. Um, you sort of have to get through that really terrible stuff to get to mediocre. And then... 10,000 pages of work with all this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm still on, like, page 8,000, so... <laughs> but the, um, you know, like... I have these 10-page ash cans or 8 pages or 15 pages or whatever, 
and I never had completed things. Like I never had an issue or a story. And I, at a certain point, just found it like so frustrating that like I couldn't even get through a whole issue before I would reset and restart and work on the next thing because no publisher was interested. And I realized I was like chasing publishers a little too hard and not chasing the work hard enough. Um, so I switched to doing single issues and like I was like I want to get out there and even if no publisher picks it up and whatever I can go to a convention have a table and try and sell that single issue and like who knows if I'll ever get to issue two but it's something it's a first issue it's a story it's something I can like be proud of and not have something to show and when people say what are you doing like saying oh I did pitches like is not is fundamentally frustrating whereas you can be like I made this and, and drop a book in front of someone is, is a lot healthier I don't know if it's like necessarily career wise smarter to do the full issue but emotionally I think it definitely was like I, I definitely was burning out on pitching because you know it's a lot of, you know the rejection is editors and publishers are overwhelmed overworked super busy and they just don't get back to you if they don't know who you are. Like, that's just going to be a thing. That's, you know, it's true for me. It's true for, you know, whoever your favorite writer is, like, that was an experience they had. Like, I remember, you know, four or five years ago talking with Tom King, like, us sitting in a bar being like, how do we get people to look at our work? Um, and, and now you're the two guys who are, are probably, in, you know, and not, not to like toot your horn too much or anything like that, but you're kind of the two guys who are the most exciting on the DC and Marvel fence right now as, as far as writers go, and that's, that's very interesting to sort of uh, call back to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, but, uh, you know, there's a ton of people. It's like uh, Josh Williamson, like Josh was a little ahead of me, but he came up. Steve Orlando's a good buddy who was like coming up when I was coming up. Uh, Donnie Cates, Ed Brisson, Kelly Thompson, like we all came up around the same time and like we all have these similar experiences of like you know being on the treadmill of not getting people to look at your stuff and and I found like actually making something that I could say like this is mine and I made it just emotionally like I feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to the emotional health of of like aspiring creators but it is really important because you do get burned out there's a there's an editor at DC, uh, Rebecca Taylor. She's awesome. She used to be an editor at Archaea and Boom. And when I was, yeah, she. Yeah, I worked with her as an intern at Archaea. Actually. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, when I was pitching, when I was coming up, the uh, when I was coming up, she, uh, I would send stuff to you know Boom and Image and Dark Horse and Top Cow and everyone in Vertigo. And you don't get responses. Like, you just don't. They don't have time to look at them. They don't have time to send rejection letters. And I, I understood that, but it was still really disheartening. And Rebecca Taylor would respond to me on everything and be like, this is good, this is why we can't do it, this is what we liked. And she would send me little notes being like, you're good, keep at it. Like, don't get discouraged. And I 100%, like, I say this to people and they think I'm joking, like, 100% she's the reason I make comics today because... I would have quit if it weren't for her. That's funny. That, that's the same thing for me and Matt Hawkins. He's been, like, the same exact way yeah, with yeah. me. Matt Hawkins is like that for a bunch of friends of mine. Like, he is that guy. And um, Matt Hawkins is great. There, Yeah, there's certain people who are going to throw you that lifeline when you need it. But, like, you need to also be looking out for yourself and, and looking for that lifeline yourself. And, like, you know, don't don't sit there and look at what other people are doing. Like, focus on stuff that you do and your accomplishments. That's, like, a really big thing, I think. What was, the, what was the biggest lesson you learned from the first comic that you finished? Um, 
you know, I think the biggest lesson I probably learned for the first comic I finished is like that it's it, it, people are like, oh, it's you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's like, no, it's it's neither. It's life. Like you just have to keep going. And like, uh, you know, when I finished my first issue, I was like, great. And then like that night, I was like gotta start issue two <laughs> like you, you have to do that and you're like okay you, you celebrate the little win like you get you know you buy yourself an appetizer with your dinner when you go out and it's like that's my victory uh and then it, the next day it starts again and it's like that for me not not so much the first comic i finished but the first series i did that had a publisher i did a book at black mass called 12 reasons to die and i was fully fully convinced when it was done that i was like I don't think my writing is quite there. I don't think the craft is quite there. But I have a great crew of artists on it, like a great stable of artists. It's really ambitious the way it works. And it's cl- there's some clever stuff in there, which I still stand by that. It's like there's some really clever stuff in the book. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to, people are going to be knocking on my door when this finishes and I won't have to, you know, do anything. And if you look at my bibliography, that book finishes and then I don't put anything out for 13 months because I fully expected 12 Reasons to Die issue 6 would ship and then next month someone would be like here are job offers and literally no one said that and I was like oh I'm starting again from scratch and that's you know then I did a book called We Can Never Go Home and that's where We Can Never Go Home came from is because I built it starting the day 12 Reasons finished where I was like there's no job offers like I guess I'm starting again and so it's like after We Can Never Go Home I work constantly because I always knew you're lining up the next thing. It's not, you know, it's not the marathon of the five issues or the six issues. It's the lifetime of this that that you're preparing for and you're... So, so uh, I had a question. You mentioned earlier that you didn't have a lot of artist friends when you were kind of getting into the medium. When you did start hiring artists and working with artists, what were some of the, the biggest lessons learned uh, in the beginning when you started those collaborations? Um, I mean, a big thing is uh, good art costs money. Uh, no one wants to hear that. Uh, I worked shitty jobs uh, to pay for art. I sold my stuff. Um, but, you know, people, uh, you want good art. Uh, that, I think that's a big one. I think another thing is, like, obviously everyone being upfront and honest about what the relationship is you know, understanding the nature of comics and the collaborative nature and, and, you know, it's not someone drawing your book, it's you and someone else making a book together like, that's really important and I meet a lot of young writers who are like, I, I want someone to draw my thing exactly the way I want it and it's like, well that's cool and there are people who will do that one, it's not emotionally healthy for the creative process, like you know, if you go to a film set like, people are excited about the film it's not the director's film and everyone else is like, well I just work here, like actors are impassioned about the film the director of photography is impassioned about the film and I think comics should be the same way um, I think it shows on a page if someone is doing it for a paycheck but um, you know and then it, it, being upfront and honest includes like you know have the conversation about when things are set deadlines when things are due what happens if things aren't turned in like how the ownership works like all that stuff is really important like you don't want to get a book and have it sold and then have your artist be like I thought I co-owned the book and quit and then you're back to square one because you can't sell a book without an artist Uh, it's really really hard Um, another thing for me is like understand art do figure out how to understand art if you're a writer like 
there are a lot of things that I I didn't understand and would hire people and be like, oh, this person draws a great Hulk busting through a wall and a great Batman sitting on a ledge. And, like, that's cool. And, like, you want a great Hulk busting through a wall and a great Batman on a ledge, but, like, your book is not going to be all iconic shots of superheroes. Um, you Can the person draw two people sitting in a room having coffee? Uh, can the person draw a table? Can the person draw, you know... Yeah, it'd be like, like you want to look for that guy who can, like, take Batman and Swamp Thing in a room and make a double-page spread of it while they're having tea. That was a Mitch Yeah, character. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not bad, that guy. He's all right. Oh, come on. Let's, you, don't have to, you don't have to try and, and compliment him. I mean, he's, look, Mitch, come on. He's all right. The, uh, no, but I think, you know, I, I hired a lot of artists who, I mean, it's not a shot at them when I was coming up. Uh, I wasn't ready to be writing professional comics and they weren't ready to be drawing professional comics um, and it's good we grew together and we learned together and some of those people are working now uh, you know some of those people have big books some of those people never drew a comic in their life and that's fine too but like um, it, you know it's it's don't get a nap like understand you know look at sequentials ask to see their sequentials ask to see varied stuff ask to see you know uh, if you're getting into a real relationship with someone, ask to see, like, what they did off of a script. See if you can see a script for what they drew, what the, how they interpreted that, like, if it makes sense. Um, all that stuff, I think, is important. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's tricky. It's And I think the biggest thing is, like, find someone you work well with. Like, doing a book is a... It's a marriage, man. It's, it's you know, eight months, nine months, really intensely working closely with someone. And, like... You see a lot of people who are just like, I hired this guy and he drew eight pages for me. And it's like, well, what's he like? Do you like him? And it's like, I don't know. I sent him eight pages and a check. And yeah. it's like, oh, you're about to be in business with this guy for eight months. And if you find out that he's awful or he finds out that you're awful, uh, that's a real problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think all that stuff, it's, it's, it's tricky. And speaking of the, the sort of marriage and that, that long-term kind of collaboration, I mean, you've been working with, with Tyler Boss for a while. He colored We Can Never Go Home. He did the art for Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. And now for uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here. Um, what is it What's the Furthest Place or Where's the Furthest Place? Where's the Furthest Place. Where's the Furthest Place. Okay, I'll get that straight in my head. Um, but what, what is it about your collaboration with Tyler that, uh, that makes it work? What do you like about it? Uh, no, it's uh, he'll work with me, so it's fine. I don't, I don't really like his stuff. No, uh, uh, Tyler is. Um, I mean, we're we're really close. We're really good friends. Uh, but Tyler is. He, it, it, my my approach to writing is I'm I'm very detailed in a script. I you know, figure out what's on each panel, and just, I'm very descriptive and. Uh, and then I always say, like, this is my interpretation of how I think it'll look. And then when I send the script to the artist, I say, now it's your book and it's your interpretation. And I'll, like, I'm done. Uh, you know, it comes back to me for lettering and all that. But, like, uh, that's that's sort of my take on it. And uh, there are a lot of artists who stick strictly to the script and do what you say. Uh, there's some who change stuff and, you know, maybe they make it better, but it doesn't make sense to me and, you know, so whatever. Uh, Tyler is, you know, I, I know we have a good relationship because Tyler, every page I send him, he changes in little ways and big ways and always improves them. When they come back, they're just better across the board. And I, I can't think of a, 
like a higher compliment for an artist that he he understands. I mean, like you know, I love his style. I I, I think he's super professional. Um, he's got a great sense of humor. He's got an amazing sense of composition. He uh, knows the knows the fundamentals better, uh, you know, as well as anyone I know in comics. He, um, you know, he's 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 got a great sense of architecture for a page. But like the highest praise I can give him is that like. He makes me better, um, and that is, you know, I, I just would always work with Tyler, given the choice. Like, he's amazing. And so now going into where's the furthest place from here, I think that's it's your first Image book, right? Uh, what working Doing a book for Image versus doing a book for Black Mask, which are different levels of sort of creator-owned, what's been the biggest difference for you? And also just for the listeners who maybe don't know, what's where's the furthest place from here about? Uh, okay, so it's about... Um, comes out in November. It's a post-apocalyptic story about uh, a world where there's no grown-ups. It's it's ruled by child gangs, and uh, our story is about uh, a gang of uh, kids who live in a record store, and um, one of them wanders off into the wastelands where no one, none of the gangs ever go, and they they have to decide if they're going to go after her and try and save her or if they they stay and, and lose you know a family member and it's it's a sort of really dark really funny strange surreal kind of coming of age story it's kind of a in some ways like four kids walk into a bank our, our book before that was like uh, sort of a mashup of like you know a certain style of comedy and uh, uh, heist movies and crime stories and this is like, is our love letter to all that stuff. And this is our love letter to like, you know, the '80s sort of punk rock films like Suburbia and Repo Men and Mad Max. And then, you know, it's it's a it's a bunch of other it's a bunch of stuff blurred together. And and I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, but oh, your question about Image and Black Mask, what's the difference? Um, you know, uh, Image is bigger machine. Uh, there's a lot more, like... I mean, we're very early in the process with Image. Uh, the people are awesome there. I've known a lot of people at Image for a long time, so I'm excited to work with them. Um, but Black Mask is a very small boutique publisher. It's not It's not a volume business. Uh, Image is sort of a volume business. It's 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 not. I mean, it's very boutique-y, but it's, it's compared to Black Mask. It's, yeah. We're one of, you know, however... 50 books a month uh, at Black Mask you're one of four or five and and because of that it's it's uh, you know Matt Pozzolo who runs Black Mask um, we did I did I wrote the first book published at Black Mask all my creator own work has been there um, I'm doing a new book there that we're going to announce later this year um, it, it, it's it's a Black Mask is a family um, and and that is awesome I, I love that I love all the books I endorse all the books like all the creators I know um, image images uh, it's a it's just a different level of of attention and notice which is interesting and as for what it means for it I mean like you know we have an art department and and a marketing department and a sales department and and legal and all this stuff and it's you know that stuff is cool it's cool to have those people to go to it's a uh, it's a different. It's different for me. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm used to that stuff at Marvel. I'm not used to that stuff for like 
my creator own for someone to be like, how do you want to, you know, push this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> at, at Black Mask, I just sit with Mapazolo, and I'm like, I'm going to email these stores now. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I, I like that sort of casual yeah. vibe. Um, it's not for everyone, yeah. uh, but it, I really enjoy it. So, I don't know. I can't really answer yeah. that question until the book comes out. Of course. Um, an image. I'm assuming image isn't going to have you like in a van packed with books, driving from from place to place. Yeah, no. But I, uh, you know, I'm going to do that for Black Mask. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to fly out early for San Diego and pack up the Black Mask van and bring books down. I'm sure. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Black, Black Mask has been one of the, especially you know, with your work as well as Mags, who we've talked to before, and and other people there. I mean, like Black Mask books have been some of the most exciting works in the last couple of years, and and it's been a joy to kind of read it and also watch all of you all the black mask creators kind of like you know develop sort of a, a wider voice or wider reach in their uh in their work and then still stay at black mask and, and keep those books coming it's really cool um for for you you know and, and we'll wrap up here in just a sec but uh what's it's, it seems like at this point you probably with all the books that you do you have to kind of have a process pretty hammered out um do you have like a daily schedule that you put yourself to or what's what's kind of your process at this point no, I don't have a daily schedule. I, I'm i someone who, like, I get real upset if I, like, fall off schedule. If I have a schedule, it really messes with me more than it should. Um, I mean, I have deadlines. Uh, right now I'm working on, in various states, seven, seven books a month. That's a lot. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So it's... It was more a couple months ago. I'm, I'm scaling it back. Um, the So it's, you know, I just know, like, this date, this has to be done. And, you know, yeah. sometimes there's a day. You need the day when you're not productive. Yeah. Every once in a while, you can't, you can't sit there and rely on that you're going to be able to write 10 pages a day every day. You can't do that. Um, the body just doesn't work that way. Like, it's uh, when you're writing full-time... It's a, it's weird because you think you're just sitting in a chair. I mean, I write lying in bed a lot. You think you're sort of just like not doing anything, but it's it's uh, mentally exhausting and like you get actual mental exhaustion from. I mean, it's you know a lot of writing and storytelling is is problem solving. It's math in a way. It's narrative math and like that stuff wears you out. So you can't just be like I'm gonna write 10 pages a day and, and lock yourself to that and if you try to like you're gonna burn out you're gonna mess up so I think a lot of it is like I set a schedule and I I know that you know some days I'll only put out two pages or three pages but I know that that means two days later I might be doing an all-nighter to make up for that and you know you need to you need to be able to hit deadlines um, you may not know that you can do it or that you can't do it before you have those deadlines, but that's a, uh, it's pretty key. But no, I don't, I don't have a like chart of what I need to do. I have a, a nice schedule that I have printed out that I keep above my computer. That's like, this is due this day, and then it's a question of just like, yeah, when does it get done? How does it get done? And you know, uh, weird things come up where it's just like, oh, this this thing leaked today so you have to do a ton of press you have to do four hours of press to like actually announce it now to, co to cover the leak uh, you know other places leak stuff too but yeah. sure uh, but the Rich and Jude uh, they're good at it um, they're good at what they do the 
you know, we, uh, you just don't know. I mean, like, you know, you're, you get sick, you're, you know, your mom needs you to come shovel the driveway. And for me, that's an hour and a half train ride to go shovel the driveway. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I don't have super rigid schedule. I, I find that it messes me up. I'm, I'm sure it's helpful for other people. For me, it like, you know, I used to try and make that rigid schedule of like six pages a day, this day, every day, seven days a week. And by day four, I was like, oh, I'm way behind. And then it's like, it feels worse than it is. And I can do it, but it feels like impossible because I'm tripling the my daily workload. So I'm more flexible with it. And do you do you keep like notebooks with like your longhand notes or, or anything separate? Like how do you sort of organize your stories? No, I do everything on my computer. Oh, wow. I don't do... Uh, Sometimes if I have something really important, I, like, put it in my phone if I don't have my... But I carry my computer with me almost all the time. Uh, note to muggers. Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, yeah, otherwise it's... it's Yeah, I, I do pretty much... I know there's those writers and the romantic thing of having the notebooks. I just don't really work that way. My brain doesn't work that way. So Everyone has their process. Um, the last thing we'll ask you before we get out of your hair is first, you know, just where people can find you online. And then uh, after that, uh, what, what do you or why do you love comics? Um, I have a Twitter. It's Ashcan Press, A-S-H-C-A-N-P-R-E-S-S. Uh, Facebook is the same. I guess I have a Tumblr. Uh, yeah, I don't ever do. Like, I have a Tumblr and Instagram. I don't ever update them. I feel bad. People follow me, and I'm like, I'm not going to put anything here. You're not like Matt Fraction uh, sort of emptying out his whole soul into the Tumblr? Or no, like no. That. You know, God bless those guys who love every different platform. I kind of <laughs> I kind of hate each one uniquely. Yeah. And uh, Twitter and <laughs> Facebook is the ones that fit on my phone in a way I understand, so I do those. Uh, I think Instagram is probably the least innocuous the most innocuous rather uh so it's the one i use the least i just don't ever do anything all Uh, all the all the millennials just hate you for that one yeah yeah um i have like a thousand followers on instagram i don't think i've posted a picture in like six months (laughs) (laughs) sorry Heavy, heavy is the head that wears the crown, and that's what Matthew Rosenberg must be thinking right now, probably. I, I don't know if he thinks that, but uh, it was a really great interview. Super wonderful. He's crazy generous and also crazy busy, and he's a hard guy to nail down. Uh, not literally, just in terms of you know getting him to talk. But then once you do, he's like, "Yo, let's 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 freaking let's talk for a long time." And he did. It's not every day that you get to talk with a comics creator, and they get real. And talking about mental health and just t- touching mm-hmm. on topics that don't get touched on enough. Totally. No, he he really talked about stuff that I, yeah I think that does it never gets brought up in interviews as much as it should. Um, and and that's so, and I mean it's something I think that we'll be focusing on in the future as well. Absolutely. And episodes here is is how to actually like manage your health while while writing and drawing comics all the time. Um, yeah, great interview. Um, thank you again to Matthew Rosenberg for uh, for letting us take up so much of your time. Uh, but before we uh, segue on into the second half of this show, Kent, it's time to hear from the people who pay the bills. Kent, do you ever read magazines? Nope. Would you read a magazine if it didn't involve any paper at all? 
I know you're a big environmentalist. Now I'm sold. Boom. Easy. The greatest news in the world is about to be delivered right to your face hole, Kent, because this magazine that I'm about to tell you about, no trees were harmed in the making. That's that's right. All I, those I happy love trees. trees. All those happy trees still standing because panel by panel is a digital exclusive magazine. What's panel by panel? Oh, what's panel by panel, he asks. Come on, listeners, this chump over here. Panel by panel is a uh, monthly magazine all about the craft of comics. This is a magazine filled with insight from professionals in the comics medium. We've you've got people like Kieran Gillen in there all the time. You got you got people like Denise Camp in there all the time. You got all sorts of writers and artists talking about the medium they love, and that is comics. The uh, editor in chief of this wonderful comics magazine is Mr. Hassan Otsman El Howe. You may know him from the YouTube channel Strip Panel Naked, where each week he dissects comics and and analyzes all their many benefits panel by panel is just his latest project i happen to be a contributor and panel by panel is the the vessel through which this show is even existing kent it sounds like a magazine that i would love to read if you want to know anything about comics i do you got to go to panelxpanel.com right now i'm going and order an issue kent jason i hear you got a comic I do. My name's Ken Heidelman, and I've got a free comic for you to read. Free? Yeah, it's absolutely free. It's online. <laughs> it's called Scariest and Screamforth. Am I going to be scared? Probably. Damn it. Well, maybe not. But it's great. Uh, kind of an all-ages comic. Hell yeah. Kind of awesome. I am one of all ages. You are. I then you're going to love age. Scariest and Screamforth. Scariest and Screamforth. It's a story uh-huh. about three kid monsters... <laughs> what? Yeah. Normally the kids are running away from the monsters. Well, now they are. But they are also themselves monsters. What? It's yes. like everyone's a monster. It is a whole town of monsters. And the town is called <gasps> Screamforth. Now the title makes sense. That's right. <sighs> so if you go to scariestinscreamforth.com, you can read my free comic for free. Dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my car off a cliff and go read that right now. Great. <laughs> hey, Kent. Jason. I love to be patronized. Then, boy, are you lucky. Am Cause, I? Because we've got something coming right for you. What? It is the Patreon for a place called Comic Book Workshop. That's where we are right now. You're there. I'm already there. There are so many great benefits to becoming a patron of comic book workshop the list goes on forever so many specific benefits you are not going to believe it all of those benefits Can, you should list out every one of those benefits i will right as now. soon as you go to our patreon and you will see all of those specific listings one after the other man Look at all these specifics. I'm scrolling on it right now, Kent. And look they at that first one. Look, that first one's amazing. And that second one whew, oh, might even be even I better. Can't even resist. And the very bottom one that that's that's the real winner. What a great way to support this podcast. It really is. You know, when there's a little little raft of a podcast out in the middle of the great blue sea, sometimes all it needs is just a little wind in the sails. So if you really do raft, enjoy this podcast, then maybe you should go check out. 
comic book workshop patreon yeah i think the username is tmbc workshop probably that's the one that's yeah. where, how you find it you can find it just like that just like that and if you want to support the show check it out there and it will have all those specifics that we were talking about that we already know now you know now you know because it's the ads Ooh, what ads were those? So those good. Were some ads. Good, good times with those ads. Medieval times. Not that's not a sponsor. Don't, don't, don't support them. <laughs> what? <laughs> not until they pay us. We're holding it ransom. Okay. okay. <laughs> um. Uh, man, Kent. Uh, we've 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 had a week this week. Even though it's not really a week in release time. But I think what that means is it's time for us to to talk about what we've been working on this week. Time for a little creative catch-up. <laughs> Branding. Tell me, Kent, what have you been working on this week? So uh, this week I have been continuing to work on my comic, Scariest and Screamforth. Uh, it's a free web comic, mm-hmm. and I've been doing some character designs. Ooh, designing some characters, huh? Yeah, uh, it's a character that I've already done a few passes on, and it just doesn't feel right, and it's been kind of being a time suck. I think I've done six or seven versions of him Mm -hmm. uh, this week, and it just is, I don't know, it's not working for me. Um, It's just disappointing because it's a character that I want to be in the comic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been having some issues with that, and it's been kind of slowing my process down just because I've been kind of getting uh, disappointed in the the output of the of the character and i don't know i need yeah, to do, i need sense. to mix something up i need to maybe go back to the drawing board or just go in a completely different direction because i feel like i've been circling the the toilet <laughs> with the same idea <laughs> and it hasn't been yeah, it's, it needs I mean, some you, you fresh spend, blood in it yeah and you spend enough time uh uh sort of sidetracked by that one thing and and all of a sudden it's like shit i haven't gotten any pages done in in weeks yeah exactly and so that, that's been uh that one particular character and I don't know, I, I guess that's the only thing I've really worked on that I can think of. Maybe there was other stuff that I've worked on for it. Uh, I get distracted by the side stuff, but I think that'll play well into today's episode. What have you been uh, working on? <laughs> I, I think that you are right. I think that will play very well into this week's episode. Um, I have been, this this last week, uh, mostly working on Beehive, which is the, uh, the comic that I've been kind of developing and working on over the past uh, couple months. Um, I got three pages penciled on uh, on Beehive, um, or sorry, three pages almost completely penciled. There is one panel that still has not been penciled uh, out of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and a splash page. So out of out of basically 12 panels, uh, 11 of those are, are completely penciled. Um, panels or pages? Uh, sorry, 12 panels um, that I, of, of in this last week that I've penciled. Um, nice. that is across three pages. One of them's a, a single page spread of a dude breaking, breaking through a glass door with a crowbar. Um, cool, man. Wow. Little, you've gotten a, a good, a good amount done. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a little crazy. This, uh, this last few weeks has just been, uh, working on, working on Sabrina for, for crazy amounts of hours every day. And then just kind of either throughout the day or once I get home, um, kind of doing these pages. The nice thing is my, my penciling, uh, or I guess it's co- sort of quote unquote penciling process. Um, is definitely a bit a bit more microcosmic because I'm 
I'm basically laying out and penciling all of my pages in a moleskin notebook. Um, and then once the pages are penciled, I scan it into my computer and ink it in Photoshop uh, at the full 11 by 17 size. So I just blow up the scans, you know. Um, so yeah. the penciled the penciled artwork, you know, is, is a little kind of pixelated when I blow it up and a little rough. But uh, it still definitely gives me all I need from an underdrawing to to go in and ink on top of it. That's, so. that's an interesting approach i <laughs> i'm doing process. layouts uh at, at about the same size so i might just do that as well because I, I hadn't thought about skipping from because I'm, I'm doing layouts at all, in a notebook mm. about a very similar size as your moleskin and then i'm like well what is to stop me from just scanning those layouts instead of because i was just going to do a fresh drawing mm-hmm as like an underdrawing. And I'm like, well, why not just use what I have? Dude, yeah, That's a great, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to steal that from you is to use that underdrawing thing. It, it works really well for me because then also with that underdrawing, I can also any type of like photo reference that I've taken, you know, sometimes I just in my underdrawing, I won't be getting a pose quite right. Or, you know, sometimes there'll just be a thing that's supposed to be in the background or anything like that. I can just basically drag and drop any photo reference I take um, into those panels that I've already done the underdrawing for. And, you know, use all of that stuff as kind of almost a collage in some ways, kind of like we were talking about on last week's episode. Um, and then just ink on top of all that and make it into one sort of cohesive thing. Yeah, that's it's um, having the layouts on mm-hmm. paper the way you have in your in your notebook is is a great placeholder for that reference. If you do need to go, you know what, I just need a drawing here of even a stick figure. And then I will go in and put the photo reference that I do or do not want to use totally. on top of it if it's necessary. So that's, that's an interesting kind of using every tool <laughs> possible to it's, it's, whatever the fastest tool is the hybrid this whole hybrid method it's yeah exactly it's it's a weird process and i i i'm not a hundred percent decided on whether this is going to be the process that i use going forward but uh for at least the first few issues worth of of beehive this is the process that i'm sticking with um and i i also like just being able to sort of cut like anything that i've done in my notebook if i'm like you know what i kind of want to move that character over a little bit or maybe i just didn't leave enough room for the word balloon or or something like that then i can you know still sort of stitch that together and and move stuff around that way um you know basically just with the lasso tool um and then when i do the inks it's you know it's 100 percent polished um and looks like it was designed that way from the beginning you know no one has to know except for all the people that listen to this (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly uh but it's it's all about the finished product at the end of the day that's the the goal it's Absolutely. not about like at least for me and it sounds prob- probably for you it's not about having finished pages maybe down the line of like original artwork for resale is nice but uh, right now i'm just trying to get comics done i don't really care about the totally tertiary benefits and, and at some point i might reverse it and do kind of an ed pisker process where i know ed does um he, he does x-men grand design as well as hip-hop family tree and some others um his process now is that he does his layouts on an iPad and then will print those layouts off uh, blown up to 11 by 17 size. And then he will actually, you know, put it under a light box and uh, ink his pages physically on top of that. And so it's, it's basically the exact reverse of my process. Um, yeah, exactly. And so I, maybe that's the process that I end up doing in the future. Um, but for right now, for some reason, I really like the, the tactile nature of pen and paper and being able to go into sort of an isolated place where I'm not distracted um, that I can just, you know, draw these and, and it's, you know, the moleskin is so easy to take around that it just makes that process so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool, man. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, so that actually yeah. gets into at least, uh, goals that I want to talk about. Uh, my goal for 
at least by whenever we record the next episode, mm-hmm. uh, is to um, maybe we did talk about goals last time, but either way, this time, <laughs> pretending we've had a hard that time never, keeping track of never what happened. we've been doing on the other episodes. <laughs> And didn't didn't do it last time, but certainly this time, a hundred percent. I there's no possible way that I could ever forget that my goal is, uh, let's say I'm gonna do I'm gonna go small with four pages laid out, and that includes yeah. dialogue. Ooh, are you are you, a, are you are you a lettering first kind of guy? Uh, like, do you letter when you're roughing your pages, or do you wait to do that till the end? Um, I letter in that I place the word bubbles with the dialogue in it. Cool on the layout. That's awesome. Um, that might be to my. I can already think of a glaring reason to not do that in that I'm not really sure how big the word bubbles are on the actual like finished product. Mm. Like I might be making way too much room for word bubbles. I mean, and it still gives you a good idea of it though. It gives me a rough idea. So yeah. I will yeah. continue to do so until I have a reason to, <laughs> to change. Until we talk uh, to some creator to that's like, hey, that's a, dumb, that's a dumb decision. You should do it this way. And then you go, okay, Probably, sir. Probably, and I'll be happy to change <laughs> yeah. then. But at the moment, it's um, it's working for me. And then... Totally. I, at any Because I'm the entire creative team on the book, I can I change things on every step of the way. And I hope to cut that down as much as possible. But at the moment, I'm still learning a lot. So I lean heavily uh, for each step to help me with other steps of like, oh, the dialogue kind of sucked here, and I'm going through it on a fourth or fifth pass as the inks, the colors, the dialogue, and their lettering to then maybe change it up a little bit, especially then trying to fit it into a word bubble. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's great, man. But um, yeah, four, four pages laid out, and then to finish that character design. So I got... Uh, yeah, that, that's what my, st- my goals are. That's great, dude. Um, my my goal for, for this week is, is going to be roughly the same. I want to have um, three three pages completely penciled, and then I think on top of that, I'm, I'm also going to set a goal to have the uh, the logo for the podcast that you are hearing right right now, listeners, um, to have that logo at the very least uh, roughed and penciled out. I know the coloring and finding a palette and stuff like that will take a while, but I, I want to at least have that done because I've been saying I'll do it for weeks. Um, as you're listening to this right now, it may, might just be a logo that's all text and not too complicated. Uh, but as of right now, there's there's a bit of sort of drawing involved in in the logo that I want to do. So we'll see we'll see how that turns out. The listeners already know, but we don't. That's exciting. That is exciting. We are <laughs> we are well. We have no idea how it looks. Maybe it's maybe it's amazing. We have maybe no it's idea. Terrible. Uh, we'll find well, out. Yeah, we will find out. Uh, today, as we said earlier in the show, we are going to be talking about time management and schedule. Um, part of this will be, uh, and I think a big focus of this will be things that uh, that I've picked up from both Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule as good examples. Um, they are both creators who broke into the industry while working full-time jobs, um, and in Charles Soule's case, uh, still maintaining a, a pretty time-consuming job while he is doing it. Um, but the other thing that stands out about both Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule is that the two of them, over the past five years, have probably been the most prolific writers in comics. They've probably had more comics work than anybody else in the industry um, and written more pages than anybody else in the industry. And so if anyone can speak to managing their time and managing their schedule in an efficient way, uh, it's probably these two. I but. have so much to learn here. <laughs> I'm not, this is one of the ones where I have very little to contribute that I feel uh, that I have much to contribute schedule wise on on the stuff because i'm i'm this is very much where i'm such a student i'm going to be putting myself in the front row because i want to hear everything um, <laughs> i do have like 
maybe like a couple offhand tips, but nothing nothing meaty. Yeah, and I mean, I'm you know I'm still pretty new to the game in terms of like really managing the schedule to to manage you know to like get things down to this T. And that's part of the reason why we say that we're not experts at the beginning of the show is because some of this stuff and a lot of this stuff really because you and I are both still pretty recent to it and we are not people who have been doing this for years and working on a consistent, you know, page a day, uh, you know, art process or a script a week um, writing process. Uh, you know, a lot of what we'll be talking about in, in a lot of these discussions is going to be things that we've learned from other people that we are trying to adopt ourselves. Um and yeah, so maybe for, we reject it completely once we've, you know, polished our process and be like, you know what, that doesn't actually work for me. Yeah, and Tried everyone it. has a everyone has a different process, and that's why with both of these uh, these things that we'll be talking about, this is how how Jeff Lemire does it, and this is how Charles Soule does it. Um, you know, your mileage may vary in in any case. Exactly. All right, um, um, I'm excited. Ready, to teach, drop right. some knowledge. Uh, so both of these both of these sources too, by the way, are coming from Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule's uh, personal blogs and newsletters. Um, and so I will put basically for, for everything that we talk about in, in any show that we have, if you look in the show notes, um, we will have links to some of the stuff I'll be putting those in. Um, so you can track down both of those blog posts from Lemire and soul. And I definitely recommend reading both of them, uh, cause there's a lot more there than we'll have time to get into today. Um, but the first thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, with Lemire, one of the, one of the first things that he, he says here is, uh, that he, Basically, the way that he manages his schedule is by using whatever window of time you have outside of work uh, to work on comics. So when he broke in, he was working as a line cook. Um, you know, lots Whoa. of hours. Yeah, tons of hours um, every day. And and it was incredibly time consuming. And so the way that he that he sort of combated that because, he you know, doing comics was the thing that he loved um, is that he would basically set aside you know i he, i think he said around it was about like 5 hours a day 5 to 6 hours a day um before he went into work um you know he he realized that he could you know get a decent night's sleep after work and then wake up and have 5 to 6 hours before he had to go back into work that he could work on comics and so that's what he did is he he really you know managed that 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 time that he had available we all have much more time than we think available it's just a matter of actually using it rather than you know, sitting on our phones, going on the internet or whatever. Um, I think the thing, the takeaway from that, that I'm already perking my ears is the fact that he would schedule his comic work before work. Totally. Yeah. Cause Instead he worked of, a night. Cause he, yeah. Yeah, he worked, exactly. He worked a night shift. And so that was, that was the time, the most time that he had available was in the mornings. Um, even if you work a job in the morning, uh, to me coming in the freshest part of your day is you working on the thing that you want to do as a career or that you're most passionate about, whether totally. it's that or hobby, mm -hmm. getting your freshest hours in the morning. Cause you can always drag in at a, you know, at a, maybe a job or a position mm -hmm. that you're not as happy with, or that is your, you know, your full-time job. You can, you can kind of coast a bit, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you, if you, you probably have a routine, you're probably working for somebody else. And so yeah. you're just just following orders, and so to me that's that's huge. Just going in and getting the the critical work done of what you want to do in the morning when you're at your your best, mm -hmm. uh, and that there's a time crunch of you have only three hours, two hours to work before you have to go to work, and then you have a timer when it, you're, it's at the end of the day. You're like, well, I can stay up for another hour. Yeah, I can stay up for another two hours, and then you're ruining your sleep for the next day, and then you're throwing the cycle off. Totally. 
and that's the thing man that's i'm gonna think about that yeah and we'll we'll get to a couple of these you know a couple of these things actually tie into some things that both lemire and soul say kind of later in their posts um but you do want to you do want to make sure you're making this schedule uh and that you're sticking to it don't don't overwork yourself first off that's a that's a hard thing to fall into because you'll have like three days in a row where you're just doing tons and tons of work but you're not managing your sleep properly. You're not eating properly. You're not, you know, like getting sort of your outside time and your fitness. And so you just end up burning out. So you have to make sure that you, when you make the schedule, you're accounting for these things. Um, Long-term scheduling. not Exactly. Oh, man, best week of my productive life yeah. ever. Then, then three weeks of not working anything because you burnt out. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, exactly. Marathon, marathon. Yep. The, the, the second thing Lemire says is that his social life, the one thing he had to really accept is that his social life was going to take a hit. Uh, he says, you know, he loves comics. Comics is what he wanted to do. And so he had to accept at an early stage that his social life was going to be the biggest thing that, that took a hit in order to make that accountable. And he had to come to the decision of whether or not that was worth it to him. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of wrote that down as well as one of the things that I was prepping for today. I'm like, I've it, it wasn't the how did I make my schedule, how to schedule myself. I don't have a lot of advice on that. Mm-hmm. But my few things that I wanted to talk about today was the how I prepared my ability to take on a schedule yeah. was things that I was clearing off and sacrificing. And that mm-hmm. was one of them. I still hang out with friends, but I've, I've scaled it back a lot. Totally. And that's, I mean, you know, that this sort of ties into the first thing that, that Sol says as well. Um, his first kind of topic is to decide. Um, you need to decide that you can do it, that you can make this, you know, this dream happen. Um, and, and the second decision that you're making there is that you will do whatever you need to do to make it happen. So the amount of hours that you're spending every week with friends or, you know, playing Fortnite or, you know, that was me making it topical for all the kids out there. Um, <laughs> You know, but but the amount of time that you're spending on other things, uh, making the decision that if you are going to make this, you know, this dream happen or, or pursue this passion, that those other tertiary things are, are going to to take a hit. Um, and the the third thing Lemire says and the second thing Charles Soule says are almost the same thing. Um, Lemire says, make a schedule. Uh, so for Lemire nowadays that he's working full time, his schedule is, uh, from seven 30 to four 30. He is, he is making comics. Uh, most of that time is spent drawing, um, or inking or, or painting, you know, it's, it's spent on the actual art. Um, and, uh, then he'll even, so he'll be from seven 30 to four 30, basically a full-time schedule, uh, doing his comics. And then he will also do an additional one to two hours at night on scripting. Um, you know, usually that's like, cause he's also got a wife and a kid. Um, and so when his kids either playing around or out to bed or whatever, uh, you know, he'll have another, you know, hour or two that he can work on writing. And the same goes for, you know, over the weekend, he'll have, you know, a couple hours here and there that he can kind of work on some of the writing stuff. Um, and basically how his organization breaks down is that he is able to do, um, five pages of art and one script every week. Um, and so Whoa. he, yeah. Uh, and so he spends, he says he spends about 40 hours a week doing the art and then he'll spend about 10 hours a week writing. Um, so it's and, five pages of art and then one page of script. Yeah. So what, no, what, not one page, one full script, one full so, script. Wow. Yeah, so and five is he doing of, full, um, sorry. Go. No, go ahead. You go ahead. Um, so I was curious about the, the pages of art. Is it, uh, pencils, pencils and inks or pencils, fully finished colors pencils, or is it letters and colors? And he's seen lettering and stuff? 
he doesn't letter his own stuff. No, he has a uh, he has letterers for his stuff. So fully colored, five pages of colored mm-hmm. art. Wow. Yes. So he says, and and he only, he even breaks it down further than that. Um, for for thumbnails and pencils on five pages of art, that takes him two days. Um, and then he spends another two days after that inking those five pages of art, and then another one day after that coloring those five pages. And so that equates to a total of five pages or five days for five pages. Wow. Yeah. And some people might break it down to being like, you know, you'll do one page of layouts or, you know, one days of, of thumbnails, pencils, inks, and color, and you'll just do one page every day. Uh, but for him, he basically, you know, he does basically like he'll have two days at the beginning of the week that are just devoted to thumbnails and pencils. Then the next two days are devoted to inking. And then the next day is devoted to coloring. Um, and so he he also then pumps out four issues of script every month yep he does he he pumps out 24 pages of art and 40 40 um sorry 20 24 pages of art and four total scripts um per month depending on the length of the month yeah um that's impressive uh is if i did that i'd be that means i could draw one of my scripts every month Mm -hmm. hand it off to a letterer and then have three scripts floating around every month that I could send elsewhere. Exactly. Exactly. And this, this, this type of scheduling, you know, obviously when he was working full time, he wasn't putting out this much, but he was very organized and very diligent. And that's, that's why Lemire was able to, to get in is because he organized his workflow and the more time that he had available to devote to comics, the more comics he was able to make, you know? Um, oh, this is Lemire. I thought we were talking about Soul. We're talking about Lemire right now. Soul doesn't draw, um, but Soul's Soul's process we'll get into as well. So that was this is all how Lemire manages his schedule. Uh, he puts a lot of time into art. That's crazy. Absolutely, most of his time, yeah, forty hours a week he spends on art, whereas there's only ten hours a week that he spends writing. Um, and I think and of him more as a writer than an artist, and I need to, totally. I need to flip that based on the time that he's putting in, yeah. even though it's... Because, yeah, it's always, you judge it based on, like, the output that you see, and he's obviously put out tons more comics writing than he has art-wise, but that's just because, you know, the amount of time it takes on art is much more. Um, I think uh, there's one other, I think this is the major other point that I'd written down that I want to talk about is, we've already discussed it, but um, making sure you set, when you're starting out doing a schedule, is to set your goals low. Totally. Do and not, there's nothing do not, wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, do not start out thinking that you're going to be able to do five fully, you know, lined, colored, you know, inked pages every single week and that you're going to be able to do a script on top of that every week. Don't start out with that expectation because you're going to kill yourself. Um, yeah, do if, if it means you set a, a goal that you just blast through, awesome. Mm-hmm. Celebrate it, uh, pat yourself on the back, and then increase it a little bit each week and if you're i think having the morale boost of being like man i hit all my goals this week and even if they're small Mm -hmm. even if it was just get out of bed um then awesome you know build on that and just make it taller and then start focus uh, like tuning it in where you're if you're starting to be too much then you know scale it back to a manageable level everyone's schedule is different so you have to you know work with what you have the biggest thing is you have to you have to keep progressing um you don't want to get yourself complacent but also do not start out super quick um you know and and i think the goal for everybody should be to to you know if you're wanting to work full-time in this industry set your goals to be to work up to a full-time schedule so if you're if you're an artist if you're a line artist you know the industry standard is is a page a day right so have that page a day pencils and inks inks. one page a day uh have that be the goal that you want to get to right not the goal that you're starting out with 
but have that be the goal that you want to get to and then set sort of steps along the way. And once you can handle each step, then climb to the next one. Um, if you're a writer, you know, the goal is to be able to do three to four scripts a month. Um, so make that your schedule or your, your, um, focus. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on from Lemire, uh, on that section is that he, he has a schedule where he focuses on only one book every week. Um, so each week he has one issue, you know, that he will be working on for that week. And he puts himself in that mindset for that entire week. He's not switching around to all the different books he's doing. He's just focusing on one. And so throughout that entire week, he is, you know, working on his, his, you know, plotting, he's, he's putting down ideas and stuff like that. By the end of the week, he is developing the full script. He says he spends most of his time plotting, um, and very little time scripting because, by the time he scripts, he has a pretty thorough page-by-page outline, uh, so he's never staring at a blank page. Um, I've seen that the, even writers that don't do comics, that's the like a golden method for a lot of writers. Is totally. An outline is your map on where your story is going. It's already written there. And if you want to make a change, then awesome. You've, you've got a good reason to make that change That's because mm-hmm. it's probably better than what you already have outlined. Totally. And this and so this also ties into Charles Soule. Now Charles Soule writes more comics than Lemire on average. Charles Soule is usually writing about 140 pages per month. Um, oh which, my god! Yeah, that's a lot. Um, that's, if it's 20 pages each, that's six comics. Seven. Seven? Not bad math. That's uh, all good. Wow. Yeah, and he's he's had some times where he's writing more like five, but he's definitely had times where he's writing you know seven and sometimes as many as nine. But usually that's because he gets a little ahead. Um, but he's he's putting out 140 pages a month. You know, Lemire is about 80 pages a month writing, but also 24 pages drawing. So it's you know the time probably equals out to be about the same. Um, hmm. The way Soul organizes his schedule is that he keeps constant to do lists. He has them on his phone, on his computer, near his desk, um, all of that stuff, so that he's constantly reminded of it. And anytime anything new comes into his schedule, that he you know any new responsibility comes up, he's putting it in his to do list. Keeps things organized. Um, he also, and actually he and Lemire have the same method here. Uh, they both have moleskin notebooks um, that they will either color coordinate or, you know, write on the spine of uh, which book they are. And so each book has its own designated notebook. Um, that way all the thoughts and ideas are separate uh, and they're all easy to pull from at a moment's notice. Um, both of them keep their moleskins right near their desk. And then for whichever book or title or whatever that you're working on that week take that notebook around with you. Anytime you have ideas, you've got your notebook there that you can scribble them down in. Um, so if, you're, if you've got two comics that you're working on, you don't write ideas for the other one. You're exactly. focused on... That's, that's, I mean, if it's that good, yeah, obviously you can you know, text yourself or leave them at, like, you know, write yourself an email or whatever method yeah, you've got, a post-it or whatever. Yeah, that, exactly. It could be that good, but the focus is that issue, that week. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the biggest thing that, that soul says about this method is that, you know, your brain, your brain has, has a certain amount of processing power. Typically it's more than what you think you're capable of. However, uh, the, the best way to make sure that you're able to use your brain as much as possible for this type of thing is to offload the unnecessary things. And so one thing that takes up a lot of pressure on your memory and on your mind, uh, is, is trying to remember all these things. And so, the best way that he does that is to put things down in these notebooks and also to keep his to-do lists handy so that he's not having to remember what he has to do or the ideas that he was trying to, you know, to use. Like everything is just, it's, it's being written down somewhere and getting offloaded from his memory to sort of, you know, make sure that he's not overclocking himself. Um, wow. Well, yeah. And uh, then another thing. Yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I, I recently changed it so that my... Uh, this is just a tip for me. Maybe it's different mm-hmm. for others. Uh, I added my schedule uh, to the front page on my phone, and I crammed yep. all these icons into the bottom half, and it's my schedule on the top half. And that's every yeah. day I open... Anytime I open my phone, maybe it's two to five dozen times a day, however many mm-hmm. it is, then I'm, I'm looking at my schedule. Yeah, and I've I've done a very similar thing. Um, you know, I have on my Google Calendar every single week the top headline of that week in red is sort of an all day, every day of the week event, and that event is whatever I'm working on that week. Um, and so when I look at my Google Calendar, every single week has a red line above it that you know, like for instance, this week it's like you know, write Beehive issue two. Um, you know, for next week it's it's you know, illustrate this and that. Like it's it's you know, there's there's it's organized in that way. Um, and so whatever Goals, method you have, whatever scheduling. you use, make sure that you're sort of, you know, that you've got those reminders there for yourself. Um, the other thing Soul says is to recognize that there are distractions everywhere. Uh, you have the internet, you have your phone, you have all these friends, you've, you know, like all of this stuff. There are distractions everywhere. And when you, the, the things that he does to combat that is he will turn off his phone when he's writing. Um, this is something Lemire does as well, by the way. Uh, when you are working on your comics, just turn off your freaking phone. Uh, which gets hard sometimes. I know some people, they like to listen to podcasts and your podcasts are on your phone or whatever. Find a way to do it. Maybe it's download the podcast onto your computer and then turn off your internet or whatever. Just make sure that you are doing something to cut those distractions out so that when you're working, you're not pulling out your phone. Um, Another thing Sol does is he will write longhand drafts. So up until he's actually at the full scripting phase, he's only working in that notebook and he will often be going to coffee shops or bars or anywhere that's not his typical work environment uh, without, you know, like his phone or anything like that so that he can actually just focus on the work and there's no other distractions around him. An alternative uh, method, because I don't see my... I, I love this idea so much. Mm-hmm. But I think one that I might do is, because I use my phone for so many things besides the internet, is I'm like, well, I, want, I might want to set an alarm that maybe I do that in the morning. I'm already kind of planning out my version of this. And I'm like, maybe I just put my phone on airplane mode and I turn off data. So I can't get internet. I can't get anything. Yeah. Just the biggest thing is to keep yourself... The, yeah. The biggest thing is to keep yourself disciplined enough that you're not going to just turn airplane mode back on to check a notification real quick, you know, or like look at Facebook. That's true. Because if you do turn it off, that's... You're, you're putting some effort into powering it on. That's yeah. a... Yeah, I'll have to think about that. Just That's make a sure great that you're taking, idea, though. That is yeah, a great idea. This, I mean, again, this is one that the two the two most prolific writers in comics both say they turn off their phone when they start working and they don't turn it back on until they're done working. Wow. So that's, that's I mean, a, that is that is a pattern. <laughs> and they they produce a lot of work, and I get distracted a by a bunch of small things, and I'm trying my best to eliminate them, and that's, I've, I've already taken steps towards that, but that's a, that's a big one, and mm-hmm. that's a, nothing says commitment like turning your phone off. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and it's the, talk yeah. to people in your life and make sure they're aware <laughs> that you're doing this. Exactly. You'll, you'll need to let people know so they don't hate you. Um, and also, you'll have to accept that if, I mean, like, you might have some friends that are, that are super pissed with that, and, and you may have to make a decision and be like, well, you know, is this person more important than my passion or is my passion more important than this person being super happy with me? Like, and those are tough decisions to make. Those are not easy decisions. Yeah, that's not, that's not an easy decision. It's what you have to come down to, you know, to make sure that you are putting the time that you need necessary. If this is really what you want to do, um, full time. Uh, it takes so much effort to do this. (laughs) It's, it's not a casually done thing. 
Um, and the next thing that Soul says is to cut out the noise and the stress um, by, for him, he runs. He'll run every day, or every, not every day, every other day. Uh, he goes for a run every other day for about an hour. Um, and what he says that does is, first off, it allows his mind to kind of, you know, de-stress and focus without the noise and the distractions and, like, the stress of the office or whatever. Uh, but it also gives him time to just sort of think. Um and and even in a way mentally just relax a little bit most of the stress is on his body you know it's it's and it's allowing him also just to stay healthy mentally and physically um but what he'll do is he'll start that run with a question and by the end of that hour-long run you know basically try to solve it by the end of that so if it's a story problem or anything like that he'll try to work out you know what's going to happen in like that next issue or so, you know some dialogue he's been trying to figure out start that run with a question and hope to answer it uh by the end of it and he says that that's something that works for him very often man uh, that's a pro move using exercise to help you with your plotting yeah Woo. man you're just that's cutting a, out the noise and also keeping yourself healthy because that's, that's something that really takes a slide sometimes for people doing this thing. i'm yeah I'm, that's another thing that i'm trying to mm-hmm. think about too is how i'm going to try and because i'm trying to spend as much time at the desk as possible ergo yeah. I don't like exercising much. So where do you, you have to find a balance. It's, it's not all in one column. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta spread it out and make sure you're taking care of yourself healthily. Yep. Uh, that's a big one. (laughs) Now we're at the point where we're kind of rounding down, uh, just a couple more items here. Um, first and getting back to the schedule thing, uh, Lemire in his studio, he keeps a whiteboard up that basically has for whatever month it is, he will have a section for each week of that month. Um, and what he has to do in that week. And then after those four weeks of that month, he'll have two sections of the next two months and just sort of a, a quick overview of what is what he's going to be doing those two months. So he can kind of see his roadmap and what's due every week and, and, you know, and also plan a little bit ahead to what's coming in the next months. Um, and then these next two for both of them kind of tie in together. Um, Lemire says that he will plot out the full arc page by page for anything that he's working on. Um, and so whatever the story arc is, he will do sort of a page by page outline of what's happening in those plots, um, before he starts scripting. So that way, again, he has that roadmap, um, to kind of hold him steady. Uh, and he, you know, and, and one of the biggest reasons he does this is because he will, his approach is to every week that he's working on something, try to exhaust himself on all the ideas that he has for that issue. Um, you know, and so sometimes it'll be, you know, like two weeks in a row, he'll be doing, you know, Logan or something like that. And then when he's working on Logan for those two weeks, he'll try to exhaust all the ideas for those two issues and then come back to it, you know, a month, two months later, uh, once he's got more ideas again and he's kind of re-energized on that thing so he doesn't get totally burnt out. He just tries to put everything out on that week that he's working on it and then let it rest for a couple weeks. Um, and so when and it's he comes okay back, to not be perfect and you're not to get... You're like, but there's more to tap here. There's always going to be more to yep. like put into it, and but you do totally. need to let the the engine cool down. Yeah, exactly. Can't let run it cool hot down for forever. a bit and then come back to it. Um, You're gonna so come that, better, fresh, and more ideas. But yeah. yeah, and and plotting out that full art kind of helps him, you know, keep it managed when he's kind of switching from story to story. Um, and then Charles Soul says that he will pre-write a lot. You know, he talks about writing long form. And his process breaks down pretty easily. Um, and most of this is in his notebooks. Uh, his first step is just to put down all of the ideas he has in that notebook. Just anything he thinks would be cool, you know, or fun or whatever, he'll put down in the notebook. 
Uh, the second page, uh, stage is to start to form and shape them. So he'll kind of list out a bunch of plot points and, and list out the ones that he thinks are really important um, to kind of hit on. And then in the third step, he will do his page breakdown. So that's, you know, every, you know line by line, sort of a quick summary of what happens on each page. Uh, and then the fourth, the fourth step is scripting, uh, which, like we said, leads to no blank pages when you sit down to write, which is super helpful. Um, and uh, then the last piece of advice that, that uh, Sol gives, we've you know, already kind of outlined everything that Lemire does. The last piece of advice that Sol gives and that he does is to uh, sit down and don't stand up until the work's done. And so for him, he says it takes him about three to five hours to write a full script. Um, some people may have, you know, may sort of vary in that section, but I do believe that a lot of people, even if you don't think you are, are capable of this as long as you sit down, eliminate the distractions and just focus on writing that. I think the biggest reason why people, uh, write slower or, or even just work slower is because we have two, like just noise from other things kind of infecting our brain while we're trying to work and they keep us from being able to actually really get into the zone. Um, and so that's 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 the last piece of advice he says is just sit down to do it and don't stand up yet don't stand up until you are done doing it. Um, it's I don't a know where I heard it uh, from if it was from Jim Lee directly at like maybe a drawing panel that I went to or mm-hmm. just maybe like it's a legend that's completely false. But he said that when uh, he first started drawing and trying to teach himself and he was really committing himself to to art, he would like belt himself into his chair. Yeah. for like several I, hours so that i've he heard could... him say that too actually yeah so I, I think that is actually true oh, okay cool yeah then yeah i'm like that's i was thinking i'm like man i I, w- I thought back to that as you're talking about that i'm like i've got a space here on my chair i could i could belt myself into this chair <laughs> i mean like <laughs> it seems silly but if it keeps me at my my desk longer and then it's it's almost becomes then a symbol also of my commitment to making sure that I'm I'm here at my desk working. I'm mm-hmm. not going on the internet and just browsing around. I'm not just uh, emailing people. I'm not spacing out doing other whatever random task comes along. It's um, I've heard also people put on um, scrubs that they will. Sp- they're not doctors. They're not, obviously, they're they're artists or they're writers, but they mm-hmm. they get a uniform and that while they're wearing it, it's a uniform for where they're working and it means that they're working. Yep. So yeah, I've I've yeah. heard that too, and that's a, that's actually I think a. a a good piece of advice too, like have kind of a work uniform that, that you only wear when you're working. Um, like, I, I like that it. with a, an art apron is something anytime I put my art apron on, I will sometimes do it when I'm only doing digital work and there's no mess that's possibly going to be happening, <laughs> but it, it gets me in the zone yeah. uh, for like, um, and I, I'm like, does it matter? It could be me holding a rock in my hand. And yeah. as long as it's me getting in the zone and being more productive, then it's helpful. Whatever it takes uh, to tell your mind that it's time to work. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's got their own landscape, their own mindscape on that they're going to have to navigate. But you totally. know, play into your curve. Don't fight the current on what helps you. Absolutely. Uh, if it's, as long as it's not hurting you or anyone else. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I think this is great was, there, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on, Kent, before we, uh, before we finish this episode off? No, a big thank you to, to Jeff and Charles for making their, their process uh, public knowledge. Absolutely. And make sure you go check out these posts. Again, there's so much great information in both posts. Jeff Lemire posted pictures of his studio, the way that he has everything organized, and they are fascinating Ooh. to look at. Um, Charles also has a lot of knowledge and, and breakdowns in his uh, in his posts that are awesome. I mean, Lemire even posted excerpts from a script and excerpts from a series Bible. 
both posts are amazing. Check them out. Um, they are in the show notes. Uh, if you, if you, for whatever reason, are using an app that doesn't show the show notes, you can go to um, tmbcworkshop.com and you will see you'll see all the show notes there on our website or just go to thatmightbecool.com and click on the comic book workshop logo. Um, but yeah, thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Charles for making that information available. Thanks to Matthew for uh, sitting down and talking to us while he was, you know, at a very busy convention. Um, and, you know, thanks to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, uh, we would love it if you'd go take the time on Apple podcasts to give us a rating and a review as well. We will be sure to shout you out um, every week on the show. Yeah, well, we'll read your review as long as it's uh, not absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's not, like, hateful or something like hateful, that. Hateful, exactly. We'll, we'll it it could be insane, but as long as yeah. it's not hateful, then that's yeah. that's something we're totally fine with doing. And even if you leave a negative review, we'll read it on the show. As long as, you're, as, long as your aim is not to offend or hurt people, then we'll probably read your review. Yeah, um, who cares? Let's just let's let's do it. Like, <laughs> what, what does yeah. matter? Uh, you can reach the show. Uh, um, it's uh, letters at tmbcworkshop.com or I don't know. There's there's tons of emails that you can reach us at if you just anything at tmbcworkshop.com works. Um, and uh, we also wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to our resource of the week, our learning resource of the week. Ooh, um, yes, I don't know what this one is. So what do we got? Ooh, it's a, it's a book that I have been absolutely fascinated by uh this last week it is i I burned through the first 150 pages while doing my laundry the other day um i was at the laundromat which i the laundromat is a place that i find amazing for my productivity because i'll usually go there without my phone um and i have to be there for you know like an hour or two uh just because my clothes are there you know um and so while i've been at the laundromat got your got your thing absolutely that's your that's my that's my cutout yeah um, yeah. but I've been reading this book. It's, I don't think it's in print anymore, but you can still find it like used on Amazon and stuff. It's called Eisner Miller. Um, this is a series of conversations that Will Eisner and Frank Miller had, uh, before Will Eisner died. Um, it is loaded with knowledge. This is, you know, two masters of the medium discussing everything about comics though they talk about their processes and how they differ they talk about i mean like will eisner at, at certain points is talking about like his feelings on uh manga and some of the strengths that he has i didn't even know eisner read manga um but wow. dude was like an expert on manga uh and they they talk about like their inking processes and like interesting things that they've done to like do cool snow or rain or like how they feel about you know kind of like uh bigfoot cartooning and it's it's seriously fascinating um it's it's like just basically a transcription of like three or four conversations that they had together over the course of of like a week uh which accounts to like 350 pages um oh my god that's crazy yeah it is pure solid gold i've i've been loving uh reading all of this just how much they break down their process and i'm i'm not even halfway through yet um so that that's my recommended learning material for the week Eisner Miller. All right, man. Yep. It's, uh, it's on my list, too, now. Make I'm sure you look check it that up. out. Well, a lot of laughs have been had today. A lot of tears, a lot of screams, a lot of... So many things. Angry requests. I don't know. A lot of things have happened today, but... Four experts in three episodes. Oh. Plus... Oh. Plus a bonus uh, little Capullo. Oh, and a little Capullo. And a little Capullo a little, in there. Uh, stirred in there. But, uh, yeah, are we... I think wi- we're done. Winding up the third episode? Or winding down? 
we're winding, winding down. Yeah, we're we're something. we're going sideways on this mother. Where are we going? <laughs> I can see Jason. It's I had wheels turning and I was trying to abort. Abort. His eyes. abort. Um, yeah, we're we're it's it's time to wrap it all up. Uh, let's let's tell them where they can find us on them social medias. On the world of social medias, you can find me Kent Heidelman at Kent Heidelman. Crazy how that works on all the social medias, but mostly Instagram. Yeah. And you can read my free, 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 free comic. Free. Scariest and Screamforth. And Scariest scary. in Screamforth. In. Dot com. Oh, damn. Check it out. Read it. Let me know what you thought. And Jason, what about the, what about you? Well, as my name is Jason Hammonds, of course, you can find me on Twitter at that might be cool. <laughs> Just like my name. <laughs> You can also find branding. me on Instagram branding. You can also find me on Instagram at a white kid uh, because that username was so good that I wasn't going to give it up to have consistent branding. I just I, I like that username a lot. Great job. You can also find my website that might be cool dot com and you can find my articles in Panel by Panel magazine. Check out panelxpanel dot com for more of that. And now it's time to end the show. So let's hear from Matthew Rosenberg. Matthew, why? Do you love comics? No, I, I love comics more than I love anything else. I, you know, I read six issues of comics a day, every day. I, I, I love comics my whole life. Um, I don't know why. I don't, yeah. I just, I, I just love them. I've loved them my whole life. I can't, awesome. I couldn't say like, you know, I could be like, oh, they're better than other forms of storytelling. It's like, yeah. no, it's, I just, it's inside me. I just love them. I don't yeah, know. Why that's don't, awesome. Man. You know? Part of your soul. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why do I love my dog? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a dog, by the way. Um, you know, I just... You still love him, though. It sounds good. It yeah. sounds good to say. But I, I don't know. I've always loved comics. I just... Comics speak to me in a way. Like, I don't... I don't want to be a screenwriter. I don't want to be a novelist. I don't, you know, want to be a mechanic. I, I want to make comics. Might be cool.com. You never know.